everyone. I'd like to just thank everyone who's been uh, participating in our service today. It's just been great, the singing. Do thank God for giving us an awesome day. Uh, what amazing weather we've had, just fantastic. I was a little worried when Scott was handing out those coins. I was, I was worried that he's going to teach us a lesson that it's hard to give back to God. And uh, I didn't see the, you know, the coin or the denomination, but um, you know, every once in a while those kind of things go get a little difficult. And I saw those kids just eagerly waiting you know, for that pound. And I thought he was going to say, okay, the basket's coming, toss it in. Okay, but anyway, there's a lesson there too, so... Let's turn over in our Bibles to John chapter 15. John 15. Our God has an amazing plan for our lives. And He's made us in all of our frailty and weakness. He's given us free will, the ability to choose... Uh, He's put us in situations, sometimes life just seems to be easy, and everything's kind of going its way, and then then you have weeks where it's like, what just happened to me? You know, I I was phoning George uh, Robinson this week just to encourage him. Uh, You know, he's, he's been going through some physical challenges. But of all the weeks, he got hit... Not his fault by another person, a motorcycle, uh, you know, and spent four hours waiting for all the details to get sorted. And, and you're just like, but he was just, God's let this happen and, and, and he's faithful. You know, God's put us in this world and sometimes we ask ourselves, why are we here? And what we have in John 15 is a parable that really ties it all together. That really gives us some some idea of what role God is playing and how He sent Jesus to achieve something. And then, of course, through His Spirit, we're in continual connection with Jesus. Then also some insight into how He sees us and just how strong we are by ourselves. Really, just what we're capable of of without Him. So let's just read this together. John 15, verses 1 to 8. It says, I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit He prunes, so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. You know, it's interesting, as we read through this, we just see some some images of who God is and who Jesus is. And we see God here portrayed, God the Father, as the gardener. In other words, this is His plan. This is His garden. He is the owner. And, of course, that's obvious, isn't it? The Creator of the universe is the owner of the universe. 
You know, we consider ourselves to be owners sometimes. Sometimes it's just the change in our pocket. Sometimes it's maybe a house with a deed. Sometimes it's a car. You know, sometimes it's something, you know, something hanging on the wall of our house. We think, I'm the owner. But we really don't own anything. Everything we have is owned by God. And the very life we have is owned by Him. God is the creator of the universe. And in the end of time, His will is the one that will prevail. His will will be done in every situation. You know, this moment in time, He's opened things up to our free will. And it's interesting because He says, we're branches. Now, I don't know of anyone who really gets excited about branches except maybe five-year-old boys. You know, especially if they're good for climbing and you can get a rope up there or, or do something. But, but what's a branch? You know, when you think about a tree, a branch is just part of it. And if you find a branch on the ground not connected to any tree, you don't think to yourself, boy, I'm just going to take that branch home. It might be a cherry branch. I'm going to take it home, put it on the kitchen table, and we're going to have cherries. You know, even if it came from a cherry tree, I got news. There's not going to be any cherries. If it's not connected to the trunk, it won't produce anything. And see, this is what Jesus is saying about us. We are branches. We have a capacity, a capability to produce fruit in our lives. But only with God will that real fruit be produced. And so between the gardener and the branches is the vine. God sent His Son Jesus so that we could plug into something. That we could tap into something that would change our lives and then bring out the fruit of our lives that God has intended for each one of us. Isn't that a beautiful picture? See, God wants you to be a healthy branch connected to His Son Jesus. And He wants that to be in His garden. That's what God's inviting us all to. That is His plan. Jesus said, I'm the true vine, because if you're connected to anything else, thinking that's going to make your life fulfilled, you're wrong. Only connected to Jesus will your life produce what God intended for it to produce. You know, the gardener here has some work. Jesus says that if there's branches that are connected to me, but they don't bear fruit, they'll be cut off. And the gardener will do that. But the gardener also has some shears to just trim the branches, not because they're not well connected, but he wants to make sure they bear the right fruit. And so God is working in our lives. You can call it difficulty if you want. You can call it hardship. You can call it just life itself. But there are situations in our lives that prune us. They challenge us. Jesus said, you're clean, you're pruned because of the words I've spoken. God's Word also does that to us. It helps to remove the things that keep us from being unfruitful. You know, unfruitfulness has various causes. Look over in Matthew 13. Verse 22. Matthew 13, 22. Jesus is telling the parable here. He's explaining the parable of the soils. 
And this is about a sower who went out to sow. And then how the various soils, which represented the hearts of men, uh, reacted to that good news, to that truth. And sadly, there were some that ignored it altogether, and so it made no difference. Nothing changed. There's some that accepted part of the truth, but wouldn't give themselves completely to it. And so there was a little bit of joy, but it faded away. But then we come to the thorny soil where in that heart of that person there were other things growing as well. There were weeds growing. And though the seed was planted, it grew and matured, but it never bore fruit because the weeds choked it out. And this is what he said, verse 22, The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. You know, our hearts, we're we're able to grow something there. Something is able to be grown there. And what we put in our hearts, as the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And also where your heart is, your treasure will be. I mean, it's, 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 it's the way it works. And so where we're focused and what we're looking to to really bring our lives fulfillment, actually, we'll connect to that. And if it isn't Christ, it won't bring the fulfillment that God intended. Materialism is really the religion of our generation. And materialism is deceitful. Because there's sort of this idea, if I had more, and I think it's all we're all honest, we all could think of some things to do with some extra money. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now, if you're discontent, that's another question. Look up some scriptures about contentment. But, but the idea that, boy, if I had a little more, I could do a little more, that makes sense. It's logical. But the truth is, materialism says, if I had more, I'd be happier. If I had more, I'd be more fulfilled. If I had more money, I'd have more of what is important in this world. And I love that. Because where we're going, money doesn't mean anything. You know, Scott's example was great. I get a drawer full of useless money. Because you always end up with some change. And the sad thing is, nobody will take it. The exchange places won't take change. They only, get, they only do the bills. They don't want your change. And so, you know, it's useless. What are we tapping into? It's only going to produce what God wants if it's Jesus Himself. It also says in Titus 3.14 that we can become unfruitful because we're not devoted to doing good deeds. It's not in our heart to produce something. We don't want to, and therefore we're unfruitful. And so it's a real condition. Fruit can't grow unless there's a connection. Unless the the branch is connected to the vine, there won't be any fruit. Let's read a little further. Because I just want us to meditate on this connection a little. Verse 9 to 17. John 15 and verse 9. It says, As the Father has loved me, So I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. 
I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. You know, it's so interesting here. You've got the Father and you've got Jesus and you've got disciples and then you've got each other. And this parable is all about relationships. It's about how things connect. And when you think about Jesus and the Father, we think, man, they had a connection. Jesus came out from God. Part of the Creator took human form and that was Jesus. It's a, it's a miracle. It's a mystery. We can't completely explain it. But Jesus was God who came in the flesh and then returned to God. It's, a, it's, it's an amazing picture. But what's interesting here is it says that Jesus talks about His connection. And He said, As the Father has loved Me. Now, who likes love as a connection? Are there any other connections out there? What about obligation? Are there obligations we have? How do we feel about them? What's better, love or obligation? Isn't love better? Love's much more inspiring than obligation. How about debt? How about being in debt? Is that inspiring? But that does connect people, right? Do you notice the mail you get from people you owe something to? I mean, it just keeps coming. The, the, you know, your payment is due. Your payment is due. I know it's due, but they, you know, they just want to make sure. Boy, if you think about what's actually in your mailbox, usually it's someone selling something, or it's someone saying you owe me something. How does what does that do for relationships? See. Jesus says, the Father loves me. That's, that's what the Father's putting in the connection. The Father loves me, and I have loved you. Boy, that's, what, a, what, a, what a great connection that is. But look what he goes on to say. He says, now remain in my love. You want to remain in His love? Okay, yes. Remain in His love. He goes on, he goes on to say, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. Now here's the Son of God who along with His Father in some union created the universe. Okay, it's amazing. And as He talks about His relation to the Father, He says, the Father loves me and I remain in His love because I obey Him. Now is that how you think of what connects Jesus and, and the Father? Obedience? But what's Jesus saying? I remain in His love by doing what He has asked me to do. By fulfilling His purpose. You know, Jesus would say about His words, I've said nothing except that which my Father told me to say. 
And when talking about what he did, he said, I've done nothing except that which my Father has shown me to do. He remained in His love through obedience. Now if that's how the Son of God talks about His relationship to His Father, and He loves the Father and the Father loves Him, should we get offended if Jesus begins to talk about our relationship to Him and He includes the obedience word? Or even the word command? Look what happens here. He says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus had a joy because He was completely in God's love. He was completely in God's will. But that came at a cost of submitting Himself to God. That came through a prayer, not my will but yours be done. Now he loved God and God loved him. And so Jesus would say even to his father, I don't want to suffer, I don't want to die. Anybody here want to suffer? I I, I haven't heard that prayer. You know, prayer request, please pray, I'd like to suffer more. That's that's not the one we we share with other people. That's not normal. Now Paul said something a little similar. He goes, I'd like to suffer only so I can know Christ better. I'd like to share in His sufferings. But see, that was said out of love. He wanted to be in submission to the Father in the same way Christ was. So what's he say? My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. You know, it's amazing. Jesus wants only the best for us. He wants the same kind of joy that He had. Now we know Jesus went through some tough times, but we also know underlying it all in in His heart was a joy. And He knew that one day He would be restored to glory with His Father and He looked forward to it. Now, something amazing for us, He's willing to share that with us. If we are willing to obey Him, connect to Him. So what's the prime objective? What's the prime command? Love each other. Wow, that, that, that's it. This, this is at the top. Love each other. Why? Because that's what keeps the connection going. The Father loved me as I have loved you, or I have loved you as the Father loved me. And now He says, love each other as I have loved you. See, love is the connection. But for the one being connected back towards God, it's obedience that lets us remain in that love. Obedience keeps us there. Jesus tells us this amazing parable because He wants us to be fruitful. 
to have lives that are productive. But He also wants us to understand that the only way for that to be done is to be connected to Him. You know, look over in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. As disciples, baptized disciples, with the Spirit indwelling us, we are connected to God. We have received something amazing. And look what he says here, 2 Peter 1 verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and goodness. Through these He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. If a branch isn't connected to Jesus, it's just going to wither and be destroyed. Whether it's cast into the fire or not, it doesn't matter because it's going to be dead, disconnected from God. What he says here is, Jesus has given us these amazing promises, this amazing connection, so that we can participate in the divine nature. Love is flowing from the Father through the Son into the branches. And when we love each other, we're participating in God's nature. Isn't that exciting? Now, what's the standard of love that God has? When you love somebody, what are you willing to do for them? You're willing to lay down your life for them. You know, Jesus could have chosen something much more majestic than a vine. He could have chosen the trunk of an oak tree. But He chose a vine because a vine is at the mercy of the elements. And without the farmer picking up the vine and nailing it to a stake, you wouldn't have fruit. And Jesus said, that's me. I'm the vine. The Father is going to nail me up. And I'm going to bear fruit. You're my branches. But you know, there's some bad news for the branches. If you know anything about vineyards, the branches have to get tied up too. The branches, if you just let the branches, they have no strength. They're weak. They'll just go straight for the ground and then the fruit will rot. So the, the vineyard keeper puts them up. Now in older times, even would nail them up on wood stakes. But now we tie them up typically on wire. But look at this image. Jesus is saying, this is God's love. I'm the vine and you're the branches. No one has greater love than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends. If you love me, you'll do what I command. If you're my friends, you'll do what I command. And what kind of relationships does he want? Love. Anyone got too much love? You know, that's right up there with too much money, right? You know, it's like, yeah, I could use a little more love. We all could use more love. It's the way God made us. But if we're connected to Jesus, we have an unlimited supply. It flows through us. We participate in His divine nature. And so, you know, this this productiveness, this fruitfulness, what does it look like? Look in verse 5. 
For this very reason, make every effort. We're now we're in Second Peter one still. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. What's he really saying? Just make every effort to be more like the vine. Make every effort to be more like Jesus. Because wherever we're at in those qualities, Jesus has them more. And only by being connected to them will we produce them more. I won't be more patient by being connected to materialism. I won't be more patient by it because I'm connected to some human religion or my own opinion. There's only one thing that can give me patience, and that is Jesus. The only one thing that will give me more kindness is Jesus. The only thing that's going to give these fruits in my life is Jesus. These are called in Galatians 5, fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit working through us produces something in us. And you know, when you feel peace coming from someone else, it feels like love. When you feel kindness coming from someone else, it feels like love. When someone shares an insight with you that helps you in your life, it feels like love. See, in all of these things, they feel like love. But the last one he said, he said, add to your brotherly kindness, love. Interestingly, he began with faith and ends with love. And that pretty much describes our journey. Our faith is the initiating part from our side. Even though God grants it and it's a gift, we have to have faith. But in that faith, we change. Or I should say, in that faith, God changes us. But He says, make every effort. God's making every effort. You know, there's no command in here. God, make every effort. You don't have to worry about God. He's doing just fine on His side. You don't have to say, God, love me more. He's loving us completely. What's lacking is what's happening here in ourselves. So he says, add to these things, in verse 8, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, in other words, these qualities in increasing measure, he's nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, this is just another way of saying the very thing Jesus said in the parable. If you love me, you obey my commands. If you remain in me, you will be connected to me. And he said, if, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. You know, let's just go back to uh, John 15. We have the uh, Great Commission in the various Gospels. But the one I like the best is the one here in John 15. I don't know, maybe it's maybe not good to have a favorite, but I like this one. I like this one because of its focus. You know, go and preach, well that's one thing. Go and make disciples, that's another. Go and be witnesses, that's another. These are all great things. But really what he's saying here is, go and bear fruit 
Fruit that will last. In other words, go and love people with my kind of love. That's what he's saying. Go and build relationships with my kind of love. You know, one of the things we often think is, if I loved everyone like Jesus, they'd love me. The world would love me back. Do you ever think that? I mean, I think we expect it, right? Here we are, we're being the nice person. We're being the kind one. We're sacrificing something. We're trying to be up when everyone else in the office or wherever we are is down. You know, we're the ones. We're trying to spread the love. But not everyone likes that. You know, one of the aspects of spreading the love, as Jesus did, is speaking the truth. And a lot of people don't want to hear the truth. The truth offends them. The truth somehow makes them feel bad. And so they don't want that. They run from the truth. And so we'll just end by reading what follows in this parable. Verse 18. You know, after all this talk of love, I mean, that's what this whole parable is about. Love connects us. God loves Jesus. Jesus loves us. We love each other. Wow, it's awesome. Didn't say it was easy. He said it was awesome. It's going to cost you your life to love another person. But look what he says. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. John 15 verse 18. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates the Father as well. If, if I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles... And yet they've hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the counselor comes, whom I will send you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. You know, it's interesting. Jesus always knew that to live a righteous life would bring some challenges from the world. But His light shone so brightly. When He was with them, no one was targeting the apostles. No one was targeting the disciples. It was only against Jesus. You know, all the disciples except Judas were all there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Actually, Judas was there too. Uh, Judas came later. But the point was, they were all there. They only arrested Jesus. They didn't arrest anyone else. They only arrested Jesus. We don't see the disciples getting persecuted. We see Jesus facing opposition. And he said, well, I'm with you. Guess what, guys? It's going to be pretty good because they're going to go after me. 
But when I'm gone and you become me, you begin to say what I have said, you become me to the world, the church becomes my body, you testify what you have seen and heard, guess what? You're going to face some difficulties as well. You know, if we are never persecuted, never in hardship because of what we believe, we have to ask ourselves, what are we testifying to? Are what we testifying to so soft and so warm that everyone just goes, you're the nicest guy. Is that what they said to Jesus? Everybody? The words of Jesus tested the hearts of people around Him. The story of Jesus, the Gospel, is an invitation to accept responsibility for the sacrifice of Jesus. It's a message of love. Sometimes when we think about, well, something's hard to do, we start thinking of all the reasons why not to do it. We've already been given the reason, it's love. Love is the center of all of this. Love for God. Love for each other. And love for the world. The world may hate us, but God loves us. The world may hate us, but Jesus loves us. And the world may hate us, but hopefully we're loving each other. Amen? Love is the center here. But if we love like Jesus, it will testify against the world. You know, Jesus went up to a feast in John 7, and His his brothers are kind of teasing Him. They're like, hey, go up, man. It's time for you to proclaim yourself. Tell the world who you are. Because they didn't really believe Him at that moment. And so Jesus said to them, the world cannot hate you, But it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. I tell you what, there is a lot of evil in the world. And I'm not saying here we need to go take a new message out on the street. The world is evil, the world is evil. No, the message is God is love. But God's love actually shows how evil the world is. Because as the world does not gratefully acknowledge who He is and say thank you for His blessings, as the world put to death His Son, as we realize even our sin put Him to death, we realize that we have to make a choice. Either we come into the light and accept His offer of grace, or we refuse it. And you know, people rarely refuse something gently. Especially if you're saying to them, you really need this. And so it's important for us to understand the message is love. But there will be those in the world that won't listen to it. We have an amazing example in Jesus. If anyone had rights to an easy life, it was the Son of God. I mean, Jesus should have just been able to come here and snap His fingers and dinner's ready. Everyone's obedient. You know, know, just like this. Everything's going the way He wants it to. That's not the way it worked for Jesus, was it? Jesus poured out Himself for us. He laid down His life for us. He loved us so that we could bear much fruit. And that fruit is change in who we are that fruit is relationship with each other. You know, I don't believe for a moment this room has enough spaces for all the people God loves in Birmingham. You know what I'm saying? Even the NEC doesn't have space enough or any other big... God has so much love. 
But the funny thing, the funny thing, the strange thing is He's chosen to show that love through us. And it's a challenge. So let's just devote ourselves today to a connection with God. Let's see that we're just imitating the vine. And as He laid it down His life for us, we need to lay down our lives for each other. Let's love the way that Jesus loved. Let's pray together as the worship team comes up. Our Father and God, it is so great just to be together. To see each other's smiles, to hear each other's words of encouragement. Father, we thank You for the Word, which makes things so clear. Father, that there is an amazing future ahead. Father, that You have made us incredible promises. You've allowed us even to participate in Your nature. Father, this is amazing. And Father, we understand that it was with great cost that You gave this gift to us. It cost You Your Son. Thank You for the time of reflection we had today, breaking bread together, drinking the cup. I pray that we can spend some time each day this week having those same thoughts, even if it's without the emblems, that, Father, we can devote ourselves to remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. And, Father, help us to understand that the mission of Christ will only be fulfilled by imitating His love. By that divine love flowing through Him into us and through us into those around us. Father, give us those kind of hearts. Help us become more like Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.